You're listening to the North Peace Roundtable podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. Episode 78? Yep. 78, you just determined. You just checked. I just looked. I do that every time. Yes, 78. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, if you're new to the podcast, uh, like the intro says, we do this roughly every week and uh, talk about different questions that come in and topics. And so my name is Andrew. With me, as always, is Corland. Hello, hello. And Cameron. Good morning, everyone. And uh, this episode is going to be a doozy. It's it's a great, probably, uh, there's debate, but probably one of the most confusing passages in the Bible. Um, because there's a lot in there that you kind of go, huh, what is Paul talking about? So we're talking about first Corinthians 11 today and the whole topic discussion about head coverings in the church. Um, so have you, uh, in your growing up, were you around any kind of churches or people that wore head coverings? It's a good question to kick it off. So I was, uh, from... My charismatic life started around age five, but before that, I remember going to a really conservative church. It was called the Gospel Chapel, and all yes. the women wore skirts and head coverings. And I do recall Mrs. Thomas, my kindergarten teacher, or my Sunday school teacher, yeah, always wearing a head covering, and we'd kind of laugh at her. Like, my brother and I, <laughs> we were the black sheep. Like, it was her grandkids and her kids. And, um, and then I forgot about it until I arrived in... Um, Fort St. John yeah. Yeah. Uh, in 2017 and actually coming to this church, I believe. And I saw people wearing head coverings and I didn't think anything of it. Yep. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I because uh, I, I may have seen women wearing head coverings before, but never made an impression on me. But yeah, it was until I got here that it was like, oh, I'm seeing a lot of people in Savon and in Walmart and in different stores and in churches. I was just curious, oh, there's a lot of people wearing, or a lot of women wearing head coverings and then talking to a few um, people like Brad and Norm and who grew up kind of old colony. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first got here just sitting down to me like, can you explain why are some of them white? Why are um, the head coverings? Why are some of the head coverings white? Why are some black? Why are they squares? Why are they certain? And so it was really interesting as they like unpacked different groups around yeah. here whether it's oh those are the Montney and it's oh that's the presbyterian so and yeah. you grew up here so is it just normal to you yeah i grew up here so it's pretty normal to me to to see it my corlin is wearing a ball cap in church right now I, yes I am. corlin is it says to uncover it. your head when you pray or prophesy if you're a man so i'm good <laughs> um yeah i my family i am only second generation out of like pretty conservative mennonite uh Beliefs. So my father grew up and his sisters and mother and, and the rest of his family would have all been wearing head coverings. And so I remember going to family gatherings and it was there. And I remember coming to, we went to a different church than this one when I was growing up. And I don't remember anyone coming there and wearing a head covering, but it, I was around it enough that like it never threw me for a loop when I saw it. It just was sure a part of my life, yeah, so to speak. So my family didn't already because we had come out of the the Mennonite belief system yeah um but we were around it so yeah well maybe to to kind of get cracking on this I will read I'll just read the whole chunk of scripture just so you can get the whole kind of 
context of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, First Corinthians 11, we'll kind of read verses 2 to six, 16. 16 yeah. And uh, I'll just read all of it, and then we'll just try and work our way through and go, okay, what is Paul getting at? Are we supposed to... Are our women supposed to wear head coverings today? Is this just a cultural, like, what is the principle that's underlying this? So I think that it'll be good. So Paul says this, Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head, un, or sorry, his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man nor man of woman. For as woman was made for man, now man is is now born of woman. And all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper, proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it's a disgrace for him. But if a woman has long hair, it's her glory. For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Clear. Perfect. Clear as mud. There's angels and the head coverings and do this. and do so. I think verse 16 like is my favorite and just wraps it up. Okay, all that said, we have no room for being contentious. Yeah, don't like. be contentious, right? <laughs> There's no room for that. <laughs> I love that. We don't have a practice. <laughs> so, okay, so first of all, when you read that, you have to understand, like, the church in Corinth was a mess. Like, this is a very highly dysfunctional church. Like, the whole the whole book. Paul says a few, like, hey, good job on this. But mainly, it's like, what on earth are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. You're allowing incest to go on. You're getting drunk together. Like, just on and on and on. You're arguing yep. about who's more important, whose spiritual gifts are better. Like, they're church gatherings their church services whatever you want to call them were just like a gong show yeah. and so this you have to remember that when you go okay what is what is paul writing into like he's writing a real church that is a mess you think our churches today are messy like it's no different it's probably worse it's like a written warning this <laughs> is a corrective letter it's this not... is a corrective letter yeah like just yeah as you flip through yeah they're suing each other they're um is it this is it first Corinthians where that guy is sleeping with his yes. mother-in-law? Yeah. Yep. It's uh, yeah. There's a guy in chapter five who's having sex with his stepmother and the church is actually celebrating it. Cause they're going, see how, how great God's grace is. Look at what we, we can do. And Paul's like, are you guys insane? He says, yeah. not even pagans act like this. And then you get to this where Paul now in chapter 11, and then right after this, he's going to give instructions for, okay, here's how you do communion together mm-hmm. because they were when they were sharing a meal, the rich people were getting drunk before everyone else got there. Then he's going to get into spiritual gifts and prophecy, and here's what orderly worship looks like. So it kind of fits into this, you know, Paul's correcting some really bad behavior, I guess. So that's the, the context of... The letter, it, it, at least. He's correcting bad behavior in the church in Corinth, specifically. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. 
So then, well, he, there's a clue in the first line of like you followed my traditions. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know. Do we just want to poke yep. through? Yep. Um, there's a lot of history here, and there's a lot of. Um, yeah, we have to be careful not to read some of this as like Paul giving a prescription for Christian living. Totally. By any means, because <clears throat> it references that, you know, Paul was speaking to a context of that church, like you said, and, you know, he tells men who preaches and prays in public to cover his, with his head covered, shames his head. Because um, the covering basically looked like a hood. And uh, it's funny because in the Old Testament, Aaron actually had to pray with a turban on to cover his head. So Paul's point is not like a universal Sure. Prohibition against wearing hats in worship. Yeah. But um, just unpacking a little bit about Roman culture, their priests, when they officiated worship, praying and sacrificing, would cover their heads with a with a hood or a veil, and the male Roman priests would drape cloth over. And the emperor Augustus at the time, it said, would do this as well and perform pagan priestly duties. Yeah. Covered his head in prayer to show that he was more religious as head of the empire. And uh, statues were made and coins were cast with this form of a, a covered head showing Caesar as a religious head. So that's Paul's looking through this lens of like prayer and uh, this this headship of church and saying like, don't, don't, don't do that. That's what you see outside these walls. Mm-hmm. So that's our first kind of like hint at like, I don't think it has anything to do with the hood. <laughs> like it's sure. not the cloth or the material. It's more of a this is the way the world is worshiping and it's terrible. They're, they're elevating themselves much like the, the Pharisees were, were guilty of. Now we're in a Roman context, Greeks in Rome and uh, Corinth very, being very um, different. Someone likened it to, okay, the Canadian embassy in the middle of Egypt. Like you're going to tell the difference between if you're, mm. if you're native to Egypt and you walk into the Canadian embassy, sure. This is what this church would have mm. looked like to the world around them. Yeah. So, just around male coverings, that's kind of like the lens through which he was looking through. Yeah. Nothing to do with a hood over your head. And he kind of starts, and for me, like, verses 3 and to 5 is not very controversial. Because he's just talking about, uh, elsewhere, Paul talks about the fact that, you know, the husband is the head of the wife. And we've unpacked that in previous podcasts, like this idea of some kind of male leadership in the home. And And I like how he points to a quality though saying totally i like that later yeah. on that like yeah you uh eve was made from adam but now everyone's born from women so yeah. right, and you can't no... have a head without a body and a body sure. doesn't function without a head yeah so he's saying at the beginning like he's just reminding people okay there's um i think and we talked about in church and in home there seems to be some kind of male leadership given right and, and that's what he's saying mm-hmm. The head of a wife is her husband's, meaning like, okay, he kind of leads the home. That's great. The head of Christ is God, which is a fascinating. And we don't have time to talk through all the the idea of subordinationism and blah, blah, blah. And is there a hierarchy in the Trinity, which I don't think there is in essence, but in role there is because yeah. the father's role is different than the son. God, the father didn't die on the cross for you. Jesus did. Right. So he's saying that. Christ submitted to God even in as he walked this earth he was yeah. he was submissive to God. So he's just kind of breaking down like okay so there's order cuz you think about how disorderly the Corinthian church was Paul's like okay no 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 guys husband's the head of the home uh, uh the head of Christ is God look even in the trinity there's some order in roles and blah blah blah. And so that's where he starts with cuz think about 
That's a good place to start if your church is just out of control. Oh, no, no, no. Let's remind you of the order. And then, yeah, he gets into, uh, I like that you brought up the cultural thing. There is so much cultural stuff at play here. Yep. I would argue it's mostly cultural. Yeah, that in our North American culture, we look at it and we go, huh? And even different than, because I think sometimes when I read or when people read, okay, a wife covering her head. Oh, do you mean like a burqa, like in Middle Eastern? No, not even that. It's not even... Mm-hmm. It's not even that like today when we look at Iraq and oh they're all covered. Yeah. Nope, it's completely different than that even. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, a man to cover his head uh while praying or prophesying would just be considered completely shameful. Uh and I like that you brought up that that happened in different uh cultures and religions that and so Paul's kind of saying uh, don't do that. Don't be Well, like only that. in that context because of sure. how the Romans were worshiping and how they were using that symbol of piety in that that you know much like the pharisees in so many ways and all of their rules would show their devoutness to god paul's saying we can't do that here in this context in this region because what it symbolizes is not what you're trying to do but yeah throughout scripture men would pray with turban and for whatever reason head coverings um but it's a very localized letter Mm -hmm. yeah to a group of people yeah i think it's really important because we, when we read Paul's letters or any of the other letters in the New Testament or anything in the Bible, I think sometimes we think that these are like what we've talked about before. The the people were sitting there and suddenly they came under a trance and they started writing because the Holy Spirit like took control of them and that's exactly it. Right. But we have to remember Paul was in a Greek Roman culture. He was a Jew turn Christian in a Greek Roman culture, talk about a bunch of things colliding and trying to work <laughs> through stuff, right? Yeah. So when he's trying to to make these corrective letters, yes, it is authoritative. Yes, it's it's uh accurate, but it also there is a context in which these letters were written for and people too yeah. with a, an understanding of how the world works, right? Yeah. And and our understanding of how the world works works has grown now that doesn't mean we disregard scripture but what that means is that some of these things that were cultural are things that we can take um what's the word ideas from in the sense principles yes that's the word i'm looking for um and so i think that there is principles behind this passage that are still obviously applicable today um but when it comes to actually wearing a head covering i would yeah well, we'll get into it, but there's yeah. ways women cover themselves to identify the same principle as to why Paul wanted to identify themselves here. Totally. We'll yep. walk into that. Yeah. So I wanted to just, uh, this guy's Thomas Schreiner. He ha- he made a good, because yeah, you s- then you get into, okay, a, uh, a wife, right? Cause, so we're talking about wives here, which is fascinating. Yep. He's not saying all women. He says wives. And it, there can be debate because... Sometimes the word can mean either or, Yeah. but he's talking about husbands and wives early on. And then he says a wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It's as if his, her head was shaven. And if she won't cover her head, then cut your hair short. But since it's disgraceful for you to cut off your hair or shave your head, well then just cover your head. So this guy's talking about, there's no evidence that full veiling familiar in Islam was current in Paul's time. So it can't be a full veil. It's not like, a, yeah. like I said, it's not like a burqa. It's not just your eyes are showing. It's not that. Yeah. Um, uh, it says the problem with the Corinthian woman is that they were wearing their hair loose and flowing down their backs. Um, it, he says the, the word apocalypto uh, is used in numbers five eighteen 
where a woman suspected of adultery had to unbind her hair and wear it loosely. So he's saying, okay, there's something going on here culturally where uh, upstanding women who were married and not and, sleeping around and, would not wear their hair loose down their backs. It was yeah. That was a sign of being a loose woman, yeah. right? And then he, he shows Numbers 518. If you're suspected of adultery, you have to wear your hair loose and, and flowing down your back. Um, re- respectable women in Paul's time did not appear in public with their hair long and flowing down their backs. They wore their hair piled up on their heads in a bun. And Paul wants the Corinthian women to adhere to this custom. Um, so he's saying like, okay, if you're going to wear your hair l- loose, you might as well just shave your head because it's so disgraceful in that in that culture. Like you're, yeah. he, Paul's like, no, no do what what culture is saying, wear it up as a sign of you are a married yeah. woman who's respectable in culture. <clears throat> and so he's that, yeah, to, to add on to that, he's also saying if you're, if you're convicted or caught uh, in an adulterous relationship, they'd actually shave your head. Yeah, it's a, it's totally. A, sh- a shameful warning. And there was actually um, one writer talked about, um, oh, where did it go? Some of the, um, just the laws. And I, and I was reading it and thinking about Singapore in our time there where they actually have, uh, you know, a, a subsection of the uh, police force that, you know, checks the subways for chewing gum and checks the subways wow. for drinking water. Um, <laughs> wow. There was uh, reportedly um, like control police or like just a Roman um, guard that would double check on, um, you know, promiscuous women. And so that's if not having a head covering, having a head covering would essentially say I'm a devoted wife. You know, do not touch, do not pass, go. Uh-huh. I'm committed to my relationship. By not doing that, you'd walk around saying you'd, you're promiscuous. You're open for, uh, you're essentially a prostitute mm-hmm. in many ways. And um, I was thinking about that. And, and as we just said, like, well, that's a wedding ring today. Like, yep. we kind of use it as like, I remember long before I met my wife, like, wedding ring, no go, right? <laughs> um <laughs> But essentially, that veil yeah. in public was like, "Hey, no go. That person's committed. They're in a devout relationship. They're not. There's nothing there." Yeah. But there would be, of course. Um, I remember the prostitute that washed Jesus' feet with her hair. Like, obviously, this is flowing. She's probably not wearing a veil. She's probably yep. not covered. That's why everyone would know she's a prostitute. Not yep. probably because they used her services or saw her do something. Yeah. They just knew by looking yeah. at that cult in that cultural context that yeah. that woman was a prostitute. Yeah, and, and so. so if, oh, if you're yeah. questioning why we would be coming at it from this angle, because I think sometimes we read a passage like this and we see like a do this. So then we're like, oh, we should do that. But if you're questioning why we would enter at it from this this angle in the sense of context and what they believe about hair and all that stuff. Verse 14 is a great window into that. Uh, Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him. But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. Like. Paul Ar- Paul's argument itself around this is around nature and would have been around their understanding of nature, right? Yeah. So it, it, even Paul is arguing for the sake of their understanding of yeah. things. Um, and you even think culturally today, like my wife has shorter hair and we don't, we, and we, I know guys that grow their hair out and culturally it means nothing to us. So I, yeah, we would, we wouldn't go, oh, shame, because your wife, you know, mm-hmm. cut her hair above her shoulders. It's like, who cares? Because that yeah. culturally, that means nothing to us, right? So the long hair on the men is quite interesting, though, because there were, <clears throat> like I mentioned, Romans who were, through their pagan practice, were veiled or, or covered, hooded, uh, sh- cl- very clean-shaven, 
would let their hair grow and they looked effeminate and and there's there's um references to this kind of um sexual fluidity and promiscu uh man promiscu- that sounds familiar yeah to does our it, sound, does it sound familiar so <laughs> what paul is saying is that you cannot um be in this position of prophesy praying and prophesying which essentially is leading a church, which is funny because he says women when you're praying and prophesying, the same way he says men when you're praying and prophesying. That's a different podcast. Yep. That'll start yep. a big old pod. <laughs> but um, he's saying you cannot do it while replicating pagan worship around you. And by having that long hair, you are drawing shame because you're confusing people. Yeah. They're seeing that in the world and you're not different. Yeah. Yeah. They're seeing this pagan worship that is just like, Oh, let women be women and men like men be women and, and this the the sexual immorality that was so prevalent is what Paul's really pushing back yeah. at that. Yes. Mark yourselves different when you're yeah. when you're worshiping God. And think about like um so many other times in Paul's letters he's saying like you know, don't use your freedom in Christ to just kind of do whatever you want. Because yeah. already in First Corinthians, yeah. oh, a guy's sleeping with his uh, stepmom. No big deal. Freedom in Christ. Grace. And Paul's like, are you guys insane? So I could see women in the day going, sweet, freedom in Christ. I don't have to wear my hair up high. I can do whatever yeah. I want. Paul's like, no. That was part of it, yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. He's like, don't live like that. And just wear your hair up. Put your, you know, little veil or shawl on when you pray or prophesy. Men, take it off. Like, don't do... Because he's just saying, like, it's not necessary for you to be like, freedom in Christ, I can do whatever I want. He's like, nope, just yeah. just do these orderly things so that, yeah, people aren't confused when they come. Uh, and that's why later on in, in when, he, when he gets to the gifts, he's like, okay, if you guys all are rolling around on the floor speaking in tongues at the same time and an outsider comes in, they're going to think you're insane. Yeah. Don't do that. Yes. Or it'll like, look no different than the pagan practices or yes. orgies or whatever they're yep. doing uh, outside of the church. Yep. So he's like, Be yeah, different. there's order in worship. So men and women act like men and women and don't don't just because of your freedom in Christ, you know, do whatever you want. Um, so that I think that gets into the the wearing a head covering, not wearing a head covering, you know, the hair, the shaving, it's, it's us. It's so layered with cultural, right? Like, why do we wear wedding rings right now? Like, why do we exchange that in the, in the marriage? Ceremony? Totally. There's no prescription for that in the Bible. There, no. it, we are subject to cultural norms and we, we actually then adopt them into Christian practice. Like they should be there. Sure. But really, it's just symbolism, and even worse, it's jewelry. It's not even often modest, but we uh, accept it as a as a cultural Christian standard that mm-hmm. when we marry in the sight of God, we're going to give this jewelry yep. for a woman to adorn and for a man to adorn to say that they're taken. Yeah. You don't s- see too much different here. Yeah. So, what do you think Paul means though when he says like on like because of the angels? They yeah. should do this. What do you guys think Verse about 10, that? Verse 10, that is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. And I've heard much debate. Uh, the word angel literally just means messenger. Mm-hmm. So I've heard, I've read some that said Paul's just talking about messengers that come to the church, human mm-hmm. messengers that show up. He's like they would show up and go, what? Your women's heads are uncovered? Your men's heads are covered? What is happening here? Yeah. Or um, elsewhere in the Bible, like in Revelation, it talks about angels being assigned to each church. So he's saying he could mm-hmm. be saying, "Okay, there's there's angels that are there yeah. worshiping with you." Um, so for their sake, 
act in an orderly way. Yeah. Um, There's some, some debate even around with similar, like along the lines of what you just said, the latter of what you just said is Paul, like we said earlier, he was a Jew, right? So he was raised Hebrew of Hebrews. He knew the Torah extremely well. And what was a happening in the Torah that nobody wanted replicated again, the happening of Genesis six, where the mm-hmm. angels saw the the daughters of man and came and took them, right? Um, and we've mentioned it already today where, like, if a woman had her hair loose and uncovered and stuff, it was a sign of, like, um, promiscuity. promiscuity and stuff. So mm-hmm. in in the ancient mindset, like in Paul's time, there is actually scholarly work by, like, Hippocrates and, and people like him. Uh, where hair was thought of as a sex, a part of your sexual anatomy. Um, and so it's interesting then to think too, of like, if Paul is, if Paul is calling back to Genesis six saying, Hey, we don't want that to happen again. Cause that was a mess. Mm-hmm. Then of course he would cover your hair so that it's, it's a sign of authority, right. To say like, to show the angels that no, you are not, uh, you're not going to allow that to happen type thing. Another commentary suggests it could also be drawing on Jewish traditions that regarded angels as protector of God's glory and honor. Mm-hmm. So mm. yep. in the effort to protect the glory, honor of God, perform this practice and, and you know, to, you know, on account of the angels, like, cause they're, their duty, their, their, their role is to protect and, and glorify God yep. in that way. Yeah. So, Again, drawing back to that, how are you different from the world? How does the world see your worship to this God as being any different than the worship to the pagan idols all around this church? Yeah. So I kind of feel like this message has been preached throughout time and even in our church where we say, like, how are we different? And I think it's even more complicated now. But I would argue that a head covering today does not perform the same function as a head covering in this church at that time. Totally. Yep. Nobody knows what you're doing. Yeah. No one knows that you're being moral or that you're being God fearing and honoring. Yeah. So I think it's a mute practice in that it doesn't hold the same cultural weight. Yeah. Unless you are in a community and, and we reference or I forgot to reference growing up I did work on Hutterite colonies where I would, you know, work uh, for weeks there. And in that community, and, and there could be even communities around here where that would be a clear symbol that this woman is married, that she's God-fearing yeah, and God-honoring. Yeah. So I would maybe even suggest that that would work in that community sure. for that time. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe even on that same thought, it might work in Savon because you might have different communities from around here, like you said, who are these people, who are these people. Yeah. yeah. But that symbol, so for a young man in Savon to look at a, a woman and think, right on, or nope. So that head covering might, in that culture, be fine if that, w- if that's what works there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. Like I even know a lady that was talking with me, and she, uh, she worked at a school out in Presbyterian, and she she's not old colony, but for the sake of like building relationships, she wore a mm-hmm. head covering as she taught. Because her her take was, I want to reach these people, and if that's going to be a stumbling block for them to go, oh, she's done, she did, you know, whatever. She's sure. one of them. She's, she's, she's like, sure, I'll wear a head cover. I don't care. Yeah. So I'm like, it's like missionaries yeah. who go into different places and are like, you know, to reach that culture. Sure. Like you, th- you think about Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary uh, to China and he got, he got 
uh, reprimanded by other white missionaries because he's like, I'm going to dress like the Chinese people dress. And they were like, oh, that's so unholy. And mm -hmm. he was like, why wouldn't I just do whatever I can to reach people? True. Right. So yeah. the matter of head coverings, I don't think it's sin one way or the other. I don't think it's sin if you're, okay, I'm going to go to Presbyterian and try and be a missionary. So I'm going to wear a head covering. Or I don't think it's sin for women to go, you know what? This is a cultural thing thing from Paul's day. I, I feel no obligation to wear a head covering into church. I would go good on you. That's awesome. Um, yeah. because like you said, like we, we don't do uh, my wife, when we got married, she didn't put a shawl on to prove that she's married. She wears a wedding ring and I wear yeah. a wedding ring and there's different cultural things. Now you could say, um, the idea of like, you know, modesty and it, I think there is something here where gender roles are being confused because men are dressing like women and women are dressing like men and that plays into our culture massively yeah so yeah. basically Paul is saying like hey um women act like women and men act like men yeah. if you wanted to do like a yeah. really dumbed down sure. principle like hey act like but in that case there's so much, many cultural layers because does, okay, acting like men, does that mean like, you know, a high and tight haircut? Well, maybe, but not necessarily. Yeah. Right. So, but I think Paul is, he's reinforcing, okay, there are different roles for men and women and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So just act like it. Yeah. So I think, <clears throat> yeah, I'm actually reminded when we uh, travel to see my wife's family, we always switch our rings to the other finger because uh, in Europe mm -hmm. and uh, even in South Asia when for the, um, Eastern Europeans there, this, our ring finger is... You wear, you wear it on the right hand over there. We wear it on the right hand, huh. yeah. Because huh. on the left hand, it means nothing. It's just, just, just cosmetic. Interesting. I did not know that. Cosmetic yeah, I mean jewelry. Neither. So we just switch it the whole time. Every time we've gone there, we just switch our rings. Yeah. Because um, her hmm. family wouldn't understand why we why wouldn't have a ring yep. on the right hand. That's so interesting. But I think um, what's even more important for application is how would we today in our culture in this church... Um, how how are we distinct? How yeah. how do we live? How do we present ourselves in the community um, as people who are God fearing? As people who are honoring mm -hmm. the order, the headship of Christ, the um, the modesty to which we're called towards in our community, and modesty is very um, relevant to where you are geographically. Yep, yeah. I, yep. I, I've shared before just a really interesting story of uh, missionaries who. We're preaching modesty you know, on a mission on the mission field, and uh, toplessness uh, was not wrong. And sure. so, you know, the really difficult for that Western missionary to wrap the, his mind around. But those people were God fearing, and they're being modest in their culture. Sure. So, how do we in Fort Saint John? How are we distinct? How how are we um, different from those who practice pagan? who those who are not God-fearing. I yeah. think that's something we should wrestle with. And it's not putting a veil over our heads necessarily. No. Well, even I liked this, the Tom Schreiner, the guy that I read before, when he talks about significance of this text for today's world. Am I suggesting that women return to, head to wearing coverings or veils? No. We must distinguish between the fundamental principle, that's what you were saying, Cortland, that underlies a text and the application of that principle in a specific culture. God has ordained that men have a responsibility to lead, well, women have a complementary and supportive role. More specifically, if women pray or prophesy in church, they do so under the authority of male headship. And I love that he says this. Failure to wear a covering in that day and age sent a signal to the congregation that a woman was rejecting the authority of either her husband or male hmm. leadership. 
Paul was concerned about head coverings because of the message that it was sending to people in that culture. Today, if a woman fails to wear a head covering while praying or prophesying, no one, no one even thinks about that. No one thinks that that person is in rebellion. If oh, she stood up to pray and she didn't cover her head, uh, that means nothing to us. We're like, okay. in, in our church specifically. Sure. Yeah. In yeah. our, I would say culture at large, besides yes. yeah. kind of niche cultures that surround mm-hmm. Fort St. John. Yeah. Um, it's the same as if like when a guy, and we talked about this, lots of times you'll see guys take off their hats while praying. Um, to me, I it, I don't even bat an eye if a guy wears a hat in church. I could care less. It means nothing to me. And yeah. I don't go, oh, how that's so disrespectful. I go, I there was a guy last Sunday that wore a hat during church while we prayed, while we sang, while I preached, and I'm like, I could care less. It means nothing to me. Like, it's, it's yeah. not a thing anymore, I don't think. Yeah. Right? So, but I like, Cam, what you're saying. Like, there's this distinction. How are we distinct from the culture? And... We have orderly worship in our church. Mm-hmm. We don't, and I think there's still something to say, like when people come in who are outsiders, like Paul talks about, we're not doing things that they go, what in the world is, these guys are a cult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Paul says, like when you, if you're going to have people speak in tongues, one or two max, and if there's no interpreters, just shut your mouth. Is That's my paraphrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, when people come in, and we have people who aren't followers of Jesus coming to our church, which is awesome. Yeah. And there's nothing. I think there's order to our worship and there is distinction from the culture. We want to talk about Jesus. We people, you know, dress modestly or whatever you want to talk about. There's things yeah. that we go, okay, there's, there's something different, but then there's order. Like we, yeah. we pray and we sing and I explain the Bible and there's nothing that's like, and it's actually really interesting to think it's all public facing. So we're <laughs> yeah. we're in yeah. a we're in a world where it's like I'm just gonna do me, and if it bothers you, that's your issue. Yeah, Paul's actually saying no, you don't have to wear it at home. Your husband knows what's going on. Like your home is your safe place. When you are in public and people can see you and people perceive what you are, you are to be different. Yeah, that actually pushes back on everything because through the whole freedom in Christ movement or the whole like don't tell me how to be. Yep. We're actually, we're actually um, in more conflict with this text than someone wearing a head covering. Yeah. And I think about even my my life at work, where I, I shared a number of weeks ago, where someone said, "Wow, you have really great self control and not swearing in the workplace." I'm like, "Well, I, I just don't swear." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they had pretty filthy mouths, but they thought it was just, oh, when you're at work, it's it's really you're really uh, in control of that. But it's kind of funny because I do swear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more comfortable with you guys or with my like sure. you know, or on humor, or just joking around. But when I'm in public, I actually have a, a you know, I joked with someone. I'm like, you know, if I were to do that, like no one would believe you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a pretty good reputation having, you sure. know, run Salvation Army and then just being in the city. Like I don't present myself as someone who maybe people think is even very funny, but yes. but in our safe groups and just outside of that, it's different. But I think there is a responsibility and actually Paul's just hammering at home. When you are in public, people should know that you're different. Yeah. When you're home, throw the veil off, uh, let your hair flow. Let that hair loose. <laughs> let that <laughs> hair loose. Um, there's still order, but um, yeah. it's quite interesting. We're actually yeah. called to be different in public. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah, so I think like bottom line for me, I don't think women need to wear head coverings today in church. I think culturally that is so insignificant in our culture. And when I say I know there's old colony, but I'm saying by and large, the culture of North America, it just means nothing. Yeah. Um, so for, for me, I'm like for a woman to think, okay, in order to obey the Bible, I got to wear a head covering when I come on Sunday. I'm like, I think you've misread the, the, the underlying principle um, you can still show respect to your husband. You can still, you know, wear a sign of marriage, whether it's your ring or whatever. Um, you can still live in the God-given roles that you have as men and women and husband and wives. I, I think slapping a covering on your head m- means nothing yeah. in our culture. Yeah, it, and if if you do wear a head covering to, I don't know, or if you don't, ask yourself why, why not, right? Sure. Um, yeah. if, if it's out of, well, the Bible says so, well, I mean, no, it doesn't. Con- it, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, well, I, right? I even thought of that. But There's other things in the new Testament that are cultural that we don't do anymore. Yeah. Mary and Joseph were betrothed to each other at like 15, 16, younger uh, maybe even that. younger. younger it did, well, we don't know for sure, but culturally sure. 13, 14 fits somewhere in there. Yeah. And we don't do betrothals for preteens anymore there's no adolescence in the bible there's but a, but yeah, yeah. You, we would go but it says it in the bible so should i prearrange my 13 year old's marriage to, well no it's a cultural thing yeah right and you could go through the new testament and look at very specific cultural things so so it's funny to me that we go well i should wear a head covering the bible says well do you you know, there's yep. cultural things that we don't do anymore either. So then, th- yeah, that's why that's why when you're reading scripture and you come across stuff like this, to ask yourself, like you mentioned earlier, Cameron, is it prescriptive or is it descriptive? So sure. is it, does it prescribe what the church is to do forever and always, or does it describe what the church was asked to do then? Yeah. Right. It and and that can be hard to navigate, right? But when you look at some of the context and find other words, so even like what we said earlier, verse fourteen and fifteen in this passage talking about, you know, nature tells us this. That's a pretty good sign that they were understanding this from a, a contextual view of the world. Yeah. Right? And and so ours has changed and, and I don't think that it's a sin then to say, well, the the uh idea of modesty and self-control and not putting yourself out there in public like Cameron was talking about. I think those are still very, very applicable today, Totally, but just not in the same exact mannerisms is what we would see here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Any other last comments about head coverings and cause we have a great <laughs> clip oh boy. to get to, but uh, it, if uh, that's been helpful or should, I should say, uh, hopefully that's been helpful. Um, if you have more questions or like follow-up questions you can always reach out and email us or text us or whatever um, and we'd love to give some follow-up thoughts but uh, to wrap up we want to play a round of the podcast cast react <laughs> the podcast cast react so um, this is where we uh, will play a, a short little clip and then react uh to it so corlin found this clip it's a doozy scrolling good old facebook and i came across it and i stopped and watched and lingered and holy smokes so this is called uh pastor greg Locke discovers six witches in his church <laughs> so here we go we got first and last names of six witches 
that are in our church. And you know what's strange? Three of you are in this room right now. Three of you in the room right now. You better look in my eyeballs. We ain't afraid of you, you stinking witch. You devil-worshiping Satanist witch. We cast you out in the name of Jesus Christ. We break your spells. We break your curse. We got your first name. We got your last name. We even got an address for one of you. From your time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You so much as cough wrong, and I'll expose you in front of everybody in this tent, you stinking witch. My goodness. You spell-casting, pharmacia, devil-worshiping mongrel, you. You were sent to this church to destroy us. You were sent to this church to lure us in. You were sent to this church to cast spells. Listen, some of you been sick because you befriended that witch. And I'm going to go ahead and serve notice on you right now. Don't move. I'm in the mood. Come on. Come on. Two of you in my wife's ladies' Bible study, and you know who you are, and we're going to ask you to get out, or I'll expose you in front of everybody. Stinking witch, we ain't playing your witchcraft games. We ain't playing with you bunch of Freemasons. We ain't playing with you Satanists, you bunch of devil worshippers. We ain't playing your games. I'll call you out right now in the name of God and not even break a sweat. And I'm hot. Okay. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Should uh, do that on Sunday. You stinking mongrel witches. My honestly, my first thought when I was listening to this was like, Why do you follow on Facebook? <laughs> yeah. No, that was just that was just scrolling through the videos. Are you a Freemason? Uh, <laughs> I ain't no stinking witch. <laughs> um, but I I was just thinking to myself, I was like, what if what if those people are there? But what if they actually came out of curiosity? Yeah. What, like, yeah. sure, maybe they have a past, but like, I don't know. Oh, that man. that was the first thought that came to mind for me. Is just what what do you what do you do with the fact that what if one of those people was curious and now you're yelling at him like this in front of everyone trying to? They probably didn't want to buy his wife's Tupperware or something like that. <laughs> 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 She's a witch. I think I remember like. A, a family guy or a Simpsons clip where it was like, she's a witch, burn her. They burn her. Oops. And she wasn't a witch. <laughs> it's, well, it's an interesting. Yeah, that's that was my first thought. Is that really the, to me, and I and this is completely judging t just based on yeah. that clip. I know yeah. nothing about the guy. Seems like you want some attention, Pastor Greg Locke, like, and everyone's cheering for you. And, oh, yeah, you're amazing. I don't even and, care. I'll expose you right now. Look how brave I am. Is that really the avenue, like, to, to do that? I'm yeah. going to, in my church service, um, publicly shame people and expose things. I mean, I could do that every Sunday. Some of you are sleeping with people that aren't your spouses, and I'm going to expose all of you, and I know I your got addresses. Your address. <laughs> like, okay, is that really how we deal with sin in the church? Like, I could, I could do that every week because every week I have people who come and they're dealing with different things. Like, yeah. And, and there are cases where the church has like when uh, stuff has happened, I'm pretty sure it was in front. If it wasn't in front of the church on a Sunday, it was like at an AGM or something where we've like discussed or, or brought up the fact that, Hey, this has happened in the church. Yeah, totally. This is how the church is dealing with it. Uh, again, this is just from that clip and we, I don't know anything else, but from that clip, why, 
like if if there is actually sin happening within the church that needs to be called out in front of the church or brought forward to the church, instead of threatening to call them out, why not just ask those people to to leave? Yeah, or... that church doesn't have AGMs. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think about Matthew 18, we're given prescriptions for dealing with sin. So did yeah. one person by themselves go and confront that? If, if there's two of them in that wife's Bible study, they should have talked to them already. Yeah. Yep. Not and just then it out. says, bring it to the elders of the church. So did the elders meet with these supposed witches and say, this has got to stop. You are not allowed to come on Sunday mornings and practice your, I don't, it, it, the way he describes it is that they're sitting at the front being like, casting spells. So we've had people come on Sundays who are, uh, what word do you use? Sketchy, whatever. Right. Who I've, I've. I've prayed as we're worshiping. Okay, Lord, please don't allow them to do anything dumb. Mm -hmm. Please don't allow them to stand yep. up and scream and yell. Yeah. Now, did I get up on stage and I know some of you here? Are, but no, that's completely <laughs> inappropriate. Completely inappropriate. Yeah. But I may talk to them afterwards, and I have actually. There was a man who was coming, who was approaching some of our single. Uh, this was a few years ago. Single um, women making them extremely uncomfortable yep. Yep. and it was inappropriate. Yep. And so I didn't stand up on us on stage and go, I know. Yeah, I know you Corlette, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't do that. I actually, um, I uh, alerted some of our guys, okay, keep an eye out for this guy. And then it was funny cause I was praying, Lord, give me an opportunity to deal with this. And it happened on a Sunday morning. I was, he was the first one that showed up and it was just me here. Mm. And I confronted him and I said, if you're going to keep doing this, you're not allowed to attend our church. And he got mad and yelled and swore and left and he hasn't been back. But I don't need to do it from the stage. Mm. It just seems like such theatrics yeah. and such attention getting. And that's you hear it in the crowd. Oh, yeah. Amen, Pastor. We're so proud of you. Mm. And it's like that's so unnecessary. Awkward moment when someone in the congregation finds out there wasn't actually witches in the service that that week or whatever. And they're like, wait, that was an act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even so, as a parallel, when we went to Zambia um, uh, during the church service, there uh, kind of a demon possessed lady, whatever, what's it manifested, whatever. Yeah. And the elders like covered her up, helped her out of the room, and cast the demon out. And I was talking to Lucky, uh, one of our missionaries, and he grew up in Zambia, and he said, "Oh man." He's like, I'm glad that they handled it that way because he's been in church services where all of a sudden now it's, oh, now we got this theatrics and uh -huh. we're going to spend the whole church service. We're going to cast this demon out and uh -huh. everyone. And it's just, I think that's what this is, is yeah. the pastor who is uh, hungry for attention and power, making a fool out of himself mm -hmm. uh, and trying to stir everybody up and yeah, get them, Pastor Greg. <laughs> All I could hear in the background was, <laughs> we go hunt some witches. <laughs> <laughs> so there's ways to deal with sin, yeah. not like this. So, yeah. wow. Great clip, Corlett. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, this has been episode 78. Eight. And uh, thanks for tuning in. I should say, if you ever find clips as a listener that you want us to react to, please send them to us because that's one of the best parts of this podcast, I think. <laughs> so uh, hopefully that's been helpful, and uh, we will talk to you next week.